I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome to your Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Mendes and Julian McKenzie with you for the next hour or so. Hey, Julian, you see how I did that? I tried to actually speak lower in the intro. Remember last week when you're like, <laughs> I just I don't run that. you when you're like, I just picked up on that. Oh my God. Yeah. Welcome to the Monday edition. Of- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, great yeah. callback. That is a very subtle callback for those who paid attention to last week's episode. There you go. But hey, look, we are going to have a lot of fun to kick off your week in hockey. Uh, some big games to circle on the calendar this week. Uh, talk about some of the games that happened on the weekend. Chris Letang hitting a big milestone. We got lots of uh, listener feedback. There's a ton of things to get to. I do want to pump something that you did. Speaking of the weekend, I thought this was really cool. I want to point this out for regular listeners to the pod. You may have realized, hey, got a little bit of a bonus episode on Saturday. And you did the fighting, and if you've been uh, reading The Athletic all week, you've seen we've had a week-long series on fighting, uh, kind of its role in the game and how it's evolved. And then you guys did a pod that dropped on Saturday. And so for anybody who didn't listen to it, I want to give you the sales pitch right now. Tell tell people why they, they need to listen to that pod, Julian. Look, if you want to get a sense of how us at The Athletic feel about fighting, and its evolution, its place in the sport, it is a worthwhile conversation. And uh, I'm moderating the conversation, uh, but uh, Robert Rossi, um, Sean McIndoe is in it as well, Dan whoa, whoa, Robson, whoa, whoa, whoa. Daniel Nugent Bowman. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to stop you right there. Is that Did too you just say Ro- No, no, no. Did you just say Robert Rossi? I, yeah, I kind of fooled. H- have I been saying it be- wrong? No. I thought I always thought it was just Rob Rossi. I guess it's Rob Rossi. It's just I've seen the hmm. name Robert Rossi. And I've just been using Robert, but double I call him double R. <laughs> I've like never heard of like called he's, Robert Rossi. Maybe I think maybe I'm doing it wrong anyway. Nah, I, I think I'm doing it wrong because it's just Rob Rossi. I was just being more formal, I guess. But yeah, like um Kevin Kurz is also on this too. Uh, basically almost everyone who participated in our series. Uh, and wrote a piece uh, on for our fighting series. We just break down our stories and some of the different uh, subjects that we've spoken of, that we've written about. Uh, for those who read my story, I read a piece on uh, hockeyfights.com and how it manages to uh, survive and even thrive in an age where we're starting to see like junior leagues peel back on fighting and and NHLers are worried about its future as well, and they're doing everything they can to keep it in the game. Uh, so yeah, if you have about an hour. And you're interested in hearing our opinions on on its place in the sport. It's worth your time. It came out on Saturday. So if you just go back into your feed a couple days, you'll be able to find it. It's worth your time. 
and be sure to check out all of our stories uh, from our series. Uh, like I said, just I'm there. Dan Robson, Max Boltman came together on a story. Came together on a story too. Sean McIndoe's done a lot of great work as well. He dropped a story actually today uh, on fighting as well too. So uh, it's worth your time. So uh, be sure to check out all those stories and the pot. So yeah, that you're. It's it's been really interesting watching, reading the comment sections. I thought I thought Sean's piece today, like you said. Uh, really great. Just kind of looking at kind of trying to reconcile where we were at in the 80s and what have we lost. Anyway, it, it, it's been some really cool stuff. And I think everybody that was part of that project uh, should be should be pretty, pretty proud of that because it's, uh, uh, you know, it's it, it's a great debate. Like, I think we have this internal. We have to almost do this reconciliation as hockey fans, especially, you know, people like kind of in my age, Julian, like we grew up in the 90s when late 80s 90s when fighting was so rampant um we have to reconcile the fact that we loved it so much right as fans and um we didn't necessarily think about the toll that that was being paid but anyway this has been just some this has been one of my favorite series that i've read uh on the athletic with a theme so anyway you you guys just knocked that thing out of the park it was it was really good really well done um, Thank you. That by, means a lot, man. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, there is a debate with 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 fighting and how, on one hand, it has it could result in these long term effects mentally or physically, uh, while also just straight up just being a dangerous thing. While there is also an inherent entertainment value that comes with it. Think about some of the biggest rivalries in the sports history. Or even just ones you've grown up watching, whether you, Ian, or anyone listening yeah. to this podcast, nine times out of ten, almost like 99% of the time, some fight got involved. Some bit of physicality is part of that. Like, it's very rare for us to describe rivalries now uh, that don't have some kind of fight or some kind of yeah. physical element to it as some kind of foundation. Like, even if we think of the the Battle of Alberta. I'm sure you could go back into the 80s and and find some kind of of moment of fisticuffs uh, between those sides. Maybe less so yeah. now. Even if you go back a few years, like it's just it's part of a foundation for uh, rivalries and and arguably when the sport was, you know, some people are saying like maybe at its most entertaining in some respects. Like I know that we're at a point where we're seeing more and more goals than uh, probably we've ever seen or maybe not since the early 90s before the the clutch and grab era really took hold, pun intended. But, like, yeah, I, I think when you think of, like, Detroit, Colorado, for example, oh. like some of the best players on of the, in, in the game's history on both sides of that, all I think of is, like, Patrick Waugh, like, getting into scraps or, or Dino Cicerelli and Claude Lemieux getting at it. Like, there's a, there's a weird fighting and physical element to the game that while we do cringe when we see it sometimes, there's an entertain. It, it's it, there's some people still find it entertainment and as find it as entertainment, and it is a debate thinking about it and trying to consider the long term health for players while also realizing that you know as long as players are going to get mad with each other the way that they are, is there really ever going to be a way to really get rid of it? Is it something that has to be has to be getting rid of or that's not English. Is that something that has to be disposed of from the league? Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it, there's a lot of questions. Yeah. Oh, man. Detroit, Colorado, like, there's a lot of people who they, if you grew up based on your age, like, that's one of your, your core memories of, of, of being a hockey fan in the late 90s, yep. Detroit, Colorado. And it's, it's interesting because, I, look, I, I started covering this sport in the early 2000s when Ottawa and Toronto had a wonderful rivalry. Like, it was fierce. There were fights. There were all sorts of things. But now I'm asking – let me ask you this question. Like, mm-hmm. in the post I, – I get, we'll call it the salary cap era, right? So, since 2005. Sure. Has there been any rivalry in the NHL that has been, like, sort of physicality and fighting has been at its core? Like, Detroit, Colorado, it was at its core. Ottawa, Toronto, I think it was at its core. There was a legitimate – natural, true hatred. If we think about the best rivalries of the post in the capper, what do you think of? You think of Washington-Pittsburgh, right? I mean, I can understand why you would think but, that. Uh, Pittsburgh, but Washington-Pittsburgh was a good rivalry. They met a bunch of times in the playoffs. Yeah. They were Sid- but 
is and maybe Washington and Pittsburgh fans can help us out on this. Were there like memorable fights in that? That's that's that's, that's my why question. I was hesitant on that. Yeah, because like think I don't so. I because when I think of Washington Pittsburgh, I don't I almost don't even I sometimes don't even think of it as like or no, that's wrong to say that I don't think of it as like team by team because they've had those playoff series against each other. But the reason why mm-hmm. I think it's a rivalry in itself is because of the Sidney Crosby versus Alexander Ovechkin element too. Correct. It. And then you have the supporting characters that come into it. Uh, but yeah, like I don't think of fights necessarily between those teams. I think of like Pittsburgh and Philadelphia like 11 years ago when they played against each other in a playoff series. Ooh. And that was just nothing but goals and fights, for example. Uh, Montreal, Boston, just just ingrained hate between both of those cities. Uh, not necessarily a fight, but I mean there was there was some some rough stuff after. But when Max Pacioretty was driven into a stanchion by Zdeno Chara, like that ended up being that ended up being a point of contention. Mike Komasarek had a fight, I think, with Milan Lucic that essentially busted up his shoulder. And his and shoulder was never, was never the, the same, same right? since. Yeah, never the same since. Like that's something I could point to. Um, yeah, like I just think in terms of rivalries now, um, in terms of like fights that have happened. I mean, do you want to bring up Rangers Capitals and the the massive Tom Wilson blow up from a few years ago? Yeah, that you know what? That's a that's a good one. Like, uh, I'm I'm just having a hard like listeners help us out. Listeners can help us out. Salary cap era. What is the rivalry that has been the most physically intense and involved a lot of fighting? Because I don't think it's Washington-Pittsburgh. I don't think it's Toronto-Boston. I don't think... Like, LA and Chicago had a really good thing going there for three or four years in the Western Conference. I don't think that that was predicated on fighting. Uh, Vancouver and Chicago kind of had a little thing going on there for a little bit. I I don't think that that was... uh, you know, so so anyway, people can help Edmonton us out. and Calgary are back in vogue now, but like in the in recent days, like well, I, they had the big brawl, right, with Mike Smith and everybody. What was that two years ago? Maybe okay, maybe right, but but, like, but I mean, like you'd have to go. I think you'd have to go further back to find more physicality. I think between both cities, I find. But listeners will help us out. Listeners will always help us out on this stuff. So. Um, yeah, help us out. Let us know. You know what? Speaking of the, we're talking about the Penguins here a little bit. Um, I I need your help on something. Okay. I need your help, Julian. Sure. Uh, Chris Letang, or I guess as you would call him, Christopher Letang. Uh, that's from the the Robert Rossi joke coming back. That's a, that's too quick of a callback. You know what's funny? I thought you were going to do the French joke because depending, (laughs) because in Quebec, people would say Christopher Letang. Yeah, that's right. Which I don't know how I feel about that because I I've grown up saying Chris Letang so like I I, I don't know I, I say Letang I guess but uh, I don't know so, just your name is your name so Letang played his thousandth game on the weekend and I think when a, when a player gets to a thousand games it's an amazing milestone but it also offers us an opportunity to kind of like just reflect back on that player's career and here's the question I have for you like help me out mm-hmm. because he seems like a real borderline, like I'm right, I'm on the middle on this. I'm I'm a fence sitter here. I I, I want to be nudged in one direction or the other. Is Chris Letang a Hall of Famer? Oof. For me, what constitutes a Hall of Famer? You have to be a player who is among the best at their position. For a sustained period of time. And. I mean I want to say that there has. Yeah I mean there has been a time. Where he's been considered among like the. Top five or top ten best defensemen in the league. Especially on the offensive side. I mean the Stanley Cups also. at at, Have to be considered. uh, When it comes to his resume. I, I, I guess just you know. The fact that. His, his his trophy cupboard is not necessarily all that plentiful beyond that, like the two cups, but he was only a Norris finalist once. Was that the lockout that was year? Tw- and it was the lockout year, yes. Yeah. 2012, where, where 2013. Where won it. Yeah. 
where P.K. Subban won. Yeah. Yes, that is very true. Okay. Um, but uh, the only other years where there was a year where he finished fourth in voting. There was another year he finished sixth in voting. Actually, two years where he finished sixth in voting for the Norris, mm. which is still good. But, like, I guess if you're going off of, you know, individual accolades, I can understand why you'd say it's – I mean, it's a bit lacking there. Let's 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 be real. And in terms of international success, he played for Canada at the World Juniors. I don't know why I played at the World Champ. Well, yeah, at the World Junior Championships. Like, I mean, I think the fact that Pittsburgh making the playoffs every year would kind of take him out of the World Hockey Championships. But how many times have you thought, okay, Chris Letang is a lock to make the Olympic team? Yeah, this is like. Like I, yeah, it hasn't happened. Okay. He's never he's never played for Canada at the Olympic level, which I think also could also help for for one's Hall of Fame case too. Um, I think he's a good. Def- I think he's a good defenseman. Uh, I th- great defenseman if you want to say probably one of the greatest defensemen the Penguins have ever had. No doubt about that. I would need a bit more time to consider his Hall of Fame candidacy. For me, I need. I think he needs more hardware to make a really solid case, like individual hardware, to really make the case that he should be a Hall of Fame player. I'm not saying no. I just need to think about this a little bit more. So I think you're in the exact same spot as me, where you're like, I don't feel it strongly in either direction, right? Like, you're kind of mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, I could be convinced that Letang is a Hall of Famer, but you, like you said, only one season where he was a Norris finalist. Um, Pittsburgh won three Stanley Cups, but you know he yeah, wasn't three Stanley there. Cups. In... I don't know why I said two. He won no, no, three no, Stanley no. Cups. I'll tell you why you said two, because he wasn't. He didn't play in 2017 when they won the cup. They won a cup right. without him. So maybe you know, but I don't think that's necessarily a strike against him. Look, the Avalanche won their Stanley Cup in 2001 uh, without Peter Forsberg in the last two rounds. Nobody holds that against him. Like so, I, I don't think that that's necessarily a, a fair argument to. I think he's an elite defenseman. Yes. Is he in the same category as Shea Weber? Where you're like, you know what? Damn, Shea Weber was really good. Doesn't have the individual hardware per se. Never won a Norris. That, like, like, and I, I think I would be on the fence of like Shea Weber. Those are two different defensemen, though. Like, like Shea yeah. Weber, fine. Like, he doesn't have, he doesn't have a Stanley Cup to his name. But, like, Shea Weber is known as like one of the most fearsome defensemen you can ever go up against. Uh, one of the hardest shots in the league, like played on Team Canada and won. Uh, this this is a guy who his reputation precedes him, and I mean a lot of people feel he's going to make it to 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 the Hall of Fame off of that anyway. Four time All Star. Uh, it's nominated for a Norris. I want to say. Yeah, okay, one, tw- no, three times. Like, that's, like, that. even if you didn't win, like, you finished second in Norse voting twice, you finished third in Norse voting once, like, you're in that conversation. That's that's a lot more than Chris Letang. I think that that helps. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't think, I don't think there's ever been a time, like, like, we have no problem saying that there was a time when Shea Weber was among the league's best defensemen. And I guess we could say that about Chris Letang too, but where are you ranking them both? Like I, I think you, I think you're probably ranking Shea Weber a little bit above Chris Letang in some respects because of the offensive ability and the physicality yeah. as well. Yeah. Anyway, look, look, I, I think it's it's interesting. He played his thousandth game. I think the, just the fact that this guy played a thousand games, given the health stuff, the injuries, it, this it guy had it's two strokes. Truly remarkable. Like when you talk to me about who you'd like to see, you know, win a Masterton trophy. I, I, boy, Chris Letang would be at the top of my list. Like he's, he's that. Yeah. He's probably the front. I mean, I don't know if he's, he might be the front runner now. It's a great career. I just, I wonder, I, and I'm, I'm, and I'm open to it. I'd love to hear from Penguins fans, non-Penguins fans. Uh, do you think Chris Letang's a hall of famer? Uh, you know, hit us up, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on the comment section. Uh, Julian and I, if you just listen to us, we are absolutely on the fence on this one. Like, don't, we're not coming into this with an agenda. Yeah. I just, I want to be, I want somebody to persuade me one way or the other. Like, it's like, you're a fan, you, you watch The Office, right? 
Yeah, we I watched The Office. Oh, no, no. Never mind then. The, the way that you said it, I don't think you're going to get this reference. Okay, well, well I'll, I'll preface this by saying I watched up until Michael Scott left. I'm, okay. I, I have yet to be convinced that, like, Michael Scott, like, episodes post-Michael Scott are worth watching. I'm with you there. So maybe, okay, so maybe you'll, you'll, you'll remember this. But remember the, the episode, and it becomes a polarizing debate, like, is Hillary Swank hot? And they, they put up, <laughs> this is what I think Chris Letang is. The Chris Letang <laughs> Hall of Fame argument is the office's what? Hillary Swank. You, you remember this episode or no? I mean, I'd have to watch it again to really remember it. But, like, I just find it hilarious that it's like, yeah, dude, is Hillary Swank? Like, we're going to compare that with Hil- <laughs> yes, Hillary Swank? Yes, but, but that's the argument, is that half the people look at him and say he's a Hall of Famer, and the other half yeah. of people look at him and say he's not a Hall of Famer, and it's like the Office episode. That's fair. That's, that's just, where I'm getting at. That's all. Like, I think for me, I, I mean, I guess individual accolades aren't everything. They have to be something. In this case, and while Chris Letang has played on some great Penguins teams and he's done everything he can to ensure that those teams are successful, like it's it's not as if we have it's not as if he has a Norris trophy to his name or he found himself as a finalist in the final three for the Norris like every single year. Like he's definitely in that list among like the greatest defensemen of the last how many years. But, like, I don't know whether or not his resume would put him in the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Very Good. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think there's another, like, and it's the same debate, the same question. You could say, like, in the last generation or salary cap era, who's the best defenseman who didn't win a Norris Trophy? And I bet you a lot of people would say Shea Weber and a lot of people would say Chris Letang. Right? How many more people would say Shea Weber over Chris Letang, though? That's what I'm wondering. Like, I mean, then again, I mean, jeez, oh, just this, I mean, one other thing that Chris Letang has on the one thing that Chris Letang definitely has on Shea Weber is the Stanley Cups. And that yeah. can't be discounted at all. No, totally. Anyway, uh, we'd love to hear from the listeners. Uh, on that one hit us up on twitter the comment section you can email us the athletic hockey show at gmail.com let us know chris letang hall of famer uh, or not looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, on the weekend, I, I always love watching uh, the 32 Thoughts segment on Hockey Night in Canada. I feel like Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick uh, always have... Uh, one, if not multiple nuggets of info. And the guy said something really interesting to me. And that is that we should expect the LA Kings and Arizona Coyotes, Julian, at some point to head down under. To play an mm. NHL regular season game in Australia, which was like, whoa, this is this year. Now, first of all, I need to know, has Julian ever been down under? Have you been down to Australia, New Zealand? No, never been to Australia or New Zealand. I've been to, I've been in New Zealand and not Australia. Uh, I'd love. To what go. do you think of this idea? An NHL game in Australia. I think any opportunity for the NHL to have games outside of North America is a good idea. Um, I think the idea. I still think it's a bit weird that you're have you're thinking of doing a game in Australia. And or at least I'm, I'm sure they try to find a way to make it work. But like Nathan Walker should be involved in this. somehow. Oh, God. He's the one He's player be. in the NHL 
who uh, is from Australia. Like, like, I like he should be involved in this game. I don't know if it gets to a point when either if it's if it's the Kings and the Coyotes, if all of a sudden Nathan Walker ends up on one of those two teams. But like, you can't have a game like that and not have uh, Nathan Walker in, involved as far as I'm concerned. That's the only guy, though, right? Like, oh, actually, he's the only player. But even that, like, like that should just make it easy. It's just like, boom, like that's just an easy sell uh, for fans. Like uh, you, you say, hey, there's a guy who is in the league who is from Australia. Like, that's an easy selling point. I got, I got a, the other selling point here. Okay, and you probably, I'm gonna give you and a good chunk of the listeners a little piece of information that I bet you didn't know. There is one member of the athletic family who covers the NHL and it regularly appears on the Athletic Hockey Show podcast who was born in Australia. Ooh, ooh, I want to guess this. Ooh, who would it be? Can I have a hint? Uh, I also host a podcast with him on the Athletic Hockey Show. No way. He was born there? Sean McIndoo, down goes Brown. I can already see it. We sent him down. Who else would be better to cover this? Have some fun. I already thought of the headline just now. Down goes Brown, goes down under. Right? You send him down. He covers the series. He has some fun. Down goes Brown, goes down. It's kind of... Too wordy? Kind of jumped. It's kind of jumbled a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of... You could do better than that. Down goes brown under? No. I, anyway. Well, it's a, we'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. I had we no gotta idea send this he was guy. from Australia. We got to send him to Australia. This is, which is where he was born. The NHL's going there. He's a great writer. He could probably capture the, the quirkiness of the whole thing. Send him. Let's go. Let him eat a Vegemite sandwich while he's there. That's the only food that I think I know from Australia, <laughs> right? Vegemite. Yeah. Yeah. See, you're, you're probably to too young. Great either. You're you're probably too young. Well, not probably. You are too young for this. But in like the late 1980s, this is when I was like, you know, 11 years old, 12 years old, late 80s, there was this bizarre fascination in, in America and North America with Australian culture where like, the Crocodile Dundee movies came out and like, wow. you know, music from Australia was kind of making its way up here. Really, it was like this weird little five-year obsession with with Australian culture. So like that one song, I Come From a Land Down Under, like that's that was that was in that time. That was, that I'm was in that range. Very certain that's in that time frame. Yeah. In fact, I think the phrase Vegemite sandwich <laughs> is in that song, isn't it? Is in that song. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yes, anyway, it is. They're going to send, it sounds like LA and Anna, oh, sorry, LA and Arizona going to go down. Now, here's what I would love to know. So, what's the time difference? 17 hours or whatever it is? Ballpark? Something like, like a that, whole right? like day. Like if you looked either, it up right now. Before, I think after. Is it 17 hour? Di- if you look up, what's the time, time in Melbourne so. right now or Sydney? What's the time difference? Well, I guess it really depends on where you're at. I think right now it's Tuesday. Like it's Tuesday. It's 2 a.m. It's 2 a.m. Uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time. But also that depends on where in Australia. So it's a 14 if hour. In Perth, if you're in Perth, it's yeah. midnight. If you're in Adelaide, it's 1.30. If you're in Kingston, it's 3 a.m. So we're looking at, but, but from the Eastern Standard Time, we're looking at like a 14-hour roughly time difference, right? Ballpark. Um, so about 16, I guess, from from my vantage point, too. From Yeah. How, like, let's say they go down, the Kings and the Coyotes go down to play. Now, how much advanced time would you need them to be there to get their body clocks kind of at, like, because, you know, it's a challenge when teams go even go to Europe, but that's... That's only mm-hmm. five hours. This is going to be like, or do you go over there and you basically try and stay on the same clock, so to speak, and play a game? I don't know. I, I, I just, I want, I worry about the logistics of a 14 hour time difference. And then when you come back home, wh- wh- like how much time do you need? Right. I, but I like I the mean, idea. I wonder like 
how much does it matter to teams along the West? Because in this case, you're if you're going to have Los Angeles and, and Australia, it's still going to be a lengthy flight, but I imagine it'll be a lot less compared to like a Montreal-Ottawa the game Rangers in or something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like along the eastern seaboard. Like if you're along the West Coast and you're flying out that way, I mean, you still have to deal with the insane time difference to a certain degree, but like not to a certain degree, you would have to, but like maybe the, the shortness in flight helps a bit, but I'm I'm not exact I'm not an expert at that. It's a oh geez, it's fifteen hours and nine minutes from LA to Sydney, Australia. I I thought like it was fly. shorter. Yeah. To fly. Oh, oftentimes you gotta stop and, and refuel and like like when I flew to New Zealand, I flew Vancouver. I think we had to stop in Fiji to refuel and then continue on. So like it's it's just like I love the idea though. I love the idea of let's let's grow the game, let's go play in some some fun places. I just I worry about the logistics of this one. Like Unless you can marry it with your, you know how every team gets a week off in February? I thought about that, but the thing, and that's what I was worried about too. Like you can't, like I don't think you could get away with just having it around like a week off. Because like those players want those want that week off. Like it's, it's mandated in, in the NHLPA and all that. Like in the CBA, like it's there. Like they have to have that time off. And like having it around the time when like, you know, they need to fly all the way to Australia. Like, I don't know how, I don't know if players are going to go for that. They'd right. have to, I don't know if you do it as like a preseason thing or if you do it as your early season thing and then your your start to your season's a bit delayed, I guess. Like, it can't be like, I don't think it would make sense as a, as something smack in the middle of a season. And I don't know if you could do that at the end of the year either. It almost has to be like the start of the season and like maybe the two teams that play get like a week off and then somewhere along the line in their schedule, like you have to kind of add some of those extra games in and maybe they end later than everyone else. But like, I don't know. You have to account for that. Julian, you just unlocked a memory in my brain when you were speaking. That. I did. Yeah. So all of a sudden I now have a memory, the Vancouver Canucks and the Anaheim Ducks mm -hmm. played regular season games in Japan. Oh, okay. I mean, in, 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 in the nineties, they played in Japan and they started the regular season there. It was the opening game of the season. As soon as you said that, I was like, you know what? I think this has happened before. And, and you know what memory I have burned in my seared in my brain. You're going to laugh at this. Tell me, but Tell there's me. a, there's, there was footage of former Vancouver Canucks defenseman, Dave. I want to say it was Dave Babbage. And he's like wearing a kimono. And he's walking around. I know it's weird. What? I, I feel like I feel like I have this weird image of Dave Babbage in a kimono, and uh, it, it, I, I think it was the season in which the NHL ended up going to Nagano. So this it would have been the start of ninety seven ninety eight. So I think October of nineteen ninety seven, and the Ducks had Paul Korea, and the NHL really wanted to sort of you know get a little bit of a footprint in Asia, and the Canucks mm -hmm. and the Ducks started and and. I'd be curious if we went back and looked at the 97-98 season. Anaheim and Vancouver played each other. How long of a, a, a delay when they came back? Like, did they get a week off? Like, we, we can easily look that. I'll look it up. But I, I think that's what happened. Wow. This is so cool. This is this is I I I learned today that uh, I, they played games in Japan. I was today years old. When I learned Dave Babich wore a kimono. <laughs> I would have never, ever pictured that. But now I'm curious, just like you, like I'm, 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 I'm able to pull up the Canucks schedule. So 97, um, 98. So 97, 98. So the first game against. So they played the first two games, I want to say. Yeah. Against Anaheim yeah. in, in Japan. Yeah. Okay, so Vancouver, so the first two games, uh, so October 3rd and October 4th, back-to-back -back games in Japan, and then five days later, they play in Toronto. Oh, sorry, they play against Toronto. And actually, Vancouver has a bunch of home games, and then two games on the road in Dallas and St. Louis. But to start off their year, Vancouver has the two games in Japan against Anaheim, and then, so like October 4th is the second and final game, 
and then October 9th, they play against Toronto. Okay. So I imagine after that game's over, you're flying back to Vancouver. You're at home. You're probably going to need a day or two of recovery. You're going to practice at some point in that stretch as well. And then on the ninth, you end up playing. I'm also going to just look really quickly at the at the Mighty Ducks schedule. The Mighty Ducks play those two games. Their last game, the October October 4th against Vancouver. They play their next game October 10th against the Ottawa Senators. And their next five games are at home. So, I mean, I don't know if it's the perfect exact science. But if you're sending the Kings and the Australia. Coyotes to Australia... You're playing them, I guess, maybe a game. But you're, if you're going to send them there, they got to play more than one game. So you let them play two games. Then they fly home, give them at least like a day or two to recover. And then yep. five or six days between that last game abroad and then that next game. And both of those teams had a handful of games at home. So they weren't traveling all that much. So they're... Actually, I'm actually glad we were able to look at the schedule. So there yeah. is a blueprint that could work if if we're going to see teams going there. You basically just have them play a, a few games out there, give them a couple days to rest, have them play a bunch of games at home so they're not traveling as much, and then you add the road games later on in the schedule. Okay, so there is a blueprint. Okay, and I just double-checked because I thought it was too random of a memory, but Dave Babich was on that Vancouver team. So there you go. Yes. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a fever dream that Dave Babich wore a kimono. You didn't that, that actually that happened. That, that actually happened. So there you go. And, um, there's a little bit of a, a, a blueprint there for how, um, how this could play out if that, if that Australia thing comes to fruition. Now, you got a big week coming up, man. Uh, the team that you cover, Ooh. the Calgary Flames, who we have written off, we have said they're done. Well, guess what? They have risen from the ashes. They are two points behind Winnipeg. And let's, let's hype this sucker up. Now, they, they do have a game before then, so they got to take care of yes. business. But the Calgary Flames, Julian, will go into uh, Wednesday night's game against Winnipeg with a legitimate chance to get into that final wildcard spot in the Western Conference. It's not something we would have thought was plausible two weeks ago, three weeks ago, but here we are. Give me a sense of how people are feeling about Winnipeg Calgary. It's the game of the week in the NHL. There's nothing going to touch, nothing's going to touch that game this week. Yep, nothing's touching it. It's also going Wednesday. to be on nationally as well on the Wednesday. And look, for, for people who are not up to date on what's going to happen. So the Jets right now are two points up on Calgary. Calgary has a game Tuesday against Chicago, a team they have not beaten this year. But if they win that game, then the Jets and the Flames will be tied on points. And that Wednesday game will loom even larger with... Calgary having an opportunity to surpass Winnipeg in points if they win. This is a team that two weeks ago, the Flames lost like 8-2 to the Los Angeles Kings. And that could have easily been a time when they just put up the white flag and say, all right, the season's done. Done. They've won four in a row since. It's the first time all year, Ian, where the Flames have won four games in a row. So is the... The the demise of Daryl Sutter, has that been greatly exaggerated? Uh, I mean, I'll tell you what. We're not having the conversation right now. Yeah. And I wonder what his future will. I've been thinking about this, too. If the Flames make the playoffs, because at the beginning of the year, they said the goal was to make the playoffs. If they do, I don't know what the conversation will be like with Daryl Sutter. I have no idea. Uh, for, for context, yes, he does have the extension in place for the next two years. But, I mean, this is a team that there are a lot of expectations were thrust upon them to do well. And no one expected them to be in the position that they're in right now. And, I mean, throughout 75, 80% of the season, like the team was just kind of stopping and starting, starting and stopping, starting and stopping. I think you'd have to evaluate. Daryl Sutter's performance as a whole and and what what players are feeling in that locker room. Uh, but also you have to account for how far this Flames team goes. If they make the playoffs, but they're out in the first round, 
What does that mean? If they get a first round upset over whoever they play, that might also have to be factored into all of this. I I, I think with the Daryl Sutter dossier right now, it's something that's obviously being put to the side with, uh, with the team winning as much as they are. And I think also by extension too, pun intended, you have to discuss Bratcher living's future too. I, I think if anything, the winning streak and the possibility of the Flames making the playoffs, it just puts a lot of those tough questions, specifically with those two men, Daryl Sutter and Brad Living, on hold, even if it's just temporarily. Man, I, by the way, can I just can I just tip my hat to you for your uh, casual drop of the word dossier? I love like yeah. like I love it, the Daryl Sutter dossier, <laughs> like. I I only does everybody when you hear the word dossier are you thinking it's like a like a file like it's a yeah like a brown envelope or a file and it's like here here's the Sutter dossier and you go in there there's incriminating <laughs> documents it, everything you need to know oh. yeah every, uh, yeah you know it'd be but you know what it would be really Oof. interesting if if Cal, look if Calgary doesn't make the playoffs it's very easy to have the conversation time to move on from Daryl Sutter I get that. Absolutely, make, and that and that and that was go- and that had been going on like up until this winning streak. To be clear, yeah. But what's interesting to me, and and I mean, this would be like kind of an off season piece, I guess, for you to to kind of sink your teeth into. Like, how many times? And I'm, I know it's happened, but how many times has a coach been fired after they make the, after a team makes the playoffs? Like, I, like I know, I, I know it's happened before. Trust me, it's happened before. Um, but but really, how many times? Has a coach been fired after they make the playoffs? Uh, you know, Barry Trotz I, got I, fired in Long Island, but they, remember they missed the playoffs last year. Right. Um, uh, it's not overly often that at the end of a season, you fire a coach that took you to the playoffs. But I know it's happened. Like, it happened in Ottawa years ago. Jacques Martin took them to the playoffs seven years or whatever in a row, and they finally fired him after another first-round exit, right? So you're right. It might, It may very well be determined – if they can win a round, maybe we're having a completely different conversation, right? Also, uh, another story to do. Not saying it's going to happen, to be clear, but if it, if the Flames opt to say, okay, we're moving on from Daryl Sutter, then the Jack Adams Award curse may very well be real, I think. If you look isn't through it crazy? My, yeah, like if you look through, like minus Rod Brindamore, like think about... So Daryl Sutter, Rod Brindamore, Bruce Cassidy, Barry Trotz, Gerard Gallant, John Tortorella. Those are like the last few guys who have won. Aside from Daryl Sutter and Rod Brindamore, all those other guys are not coaching in the same places uh, that they won the Jack Adams trophy with. You know, nope. to me, you know, the most, ran- the most random guy to ever win the Jack Adams is Bobby. Do you remember Bobby Francis? No, I don't remember Bobby Francis. I so, thought the most random name you're going to mention was Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh won it in in thirteen fourteen, right, with the Avs, his first season with the Avalanche. Yes, early two thousands. I'm gonna. I apologize. I don't know the the year off the top of my head. I want to say maybe two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand two. Yeah, two thousand one, two thousand two. Yeah, Bobby Francis, who is a name I guarantee seventy five percent of our listeners have never heard of. Or they'd be like, you're, now you're just making up names. But Bobby Francis, <laughs> Bobby Francis won the Jack Adams Award as Coach of the Year with the Arizona Coyotes, right? When they were in Phoenix, yes. Uh, or yeah, Phoenix, yeah, whatever they were, Phoenix Coyotes, okay? Yeah. So he wins. I feel like it should be called the Bobby Francis curse, not the, because that guy was out of the league like a couple of years later. He hasn't coached again. Yeah, like what I happened no, to Bobby I'm Francis? The NHL level. I have no Where, idea. What happened to him? Like, like I, I have no idea. What's Can you Wikipedia this guy? This guy? Let, let, I just, I, I'm just gonna read. <laughs> like, what happened to him? How could we you need, win a Jack Adams like, Award? And we then, need like a segment. Like, let's Wikipedia this. Um, so he coaches in Phoenix up until the 0304 season. Uh, huh, here's here's actually a really funny one. Here's a, here's a fun here's a let me let me let me pitch you with this <laughs> trivia question. Yeah. So midway through his fifth year in Arizona in 2004, 
Francis gets fired after a slow start, and he's replaced by an assistant coach. Guess who the assistant coach is? Guess who's the – in 2004, uh, the coach is coaching right now in the NHL. He he is currently in a the coach NHL. in the NHL. He is currently uh, coaching in the – so the guy who replaced I feel like Gre- – what's, what's weird is like I, I feel like Wayne Gretzky took over for, for Bobby Francis, but clearly I'm not right on that. A current in coach fact, in the NHL? In fact, that coach who replaced Bobby Francis, that gig in Phoenix – he wow there is a massive gap in between that job and when he returned to coaching a massive gap like he's he's back coaching but it had been a very long time since he he's had a, coached in the national he's a head team. coach right now in the nhl correct he's a he's he's a head coach right now to be clear it's okay to be clear it's it's been a while since he's been a since he had been a head coach i think he'd gotten other assistant gigs oh my in god between. i think i got it I think I got it. Okay. If, yeah. If you Rick, got Bo- it. Rick Bonus. Correct. Rick Bonus replaced what? Bobby Francis. Rick I have Bonus. no recollection of that. Me either. Jeez. Yeah. I don't remember what the initial thing. Okay. So Bobby Francis um, coaches in Phoenix, fired after 2004, uh, like partway through the 04 season. And then in 2006, in April 2006, signs a two-year deal to coach in Finland. By December of that same year, his contract is terminated. And yeah, that's the last we have heard of him as a coach anywhere at the professional level. Hmm. Well, yeah. But anyway, I I, I honestly don't know. Random. Oh, wow. Okay. Jack Adams. Okay. I actually, there's a story. Uh, from 2012, which is actually a bit dark here. The, the headline says, ex-coach Bob Francis now fighting for quality of life. So this this is somebody who's not in, who's, at least last week, is not in good shape. Oh, geez. Wow. Yeah. The, I didn't mean for this to be an impromptu. No, no, like, no. I, session. But, like, there's a story up on USA Today from Dan Bickley from 2012 uh, where they say that uh, his, his, his. Basically, just his his well being was not doing well. Uh, he was not doing well. He needed a walker back then, and apparently, symptoms actually started appearing uh, during his final year as coach in Arizona. And yeah, this is this is a bit of a sad story, actually. With wow. Bobby Francis, you know what? I see, honestly, I, 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 had I generally never, had no idea. N- no, because I always think he's the most random guy to win a uh, a Jack Adams award, wow. and. Uh, you know, with, with, with the Coyotes. And so, but I, I, I'm in reading this story, it sounds like he really, um, and, you know, you, all, you, you feel bad. He's quoted here as saying, I was drinking too much um, and really battled with alcoholism, uh, you know, for, for many years uh, while he was a coach. So, wow, what a, anyway, didn't mean for that yeah, to. Wow. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, that's, it's something I did not expect. It's not something that uh, we planned for. It's something that just kind of happened as we were talking about. You brought up Bobby Francis. We, we did the deep dive. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, wow. It's a, I mean, I don't know what life is like for him now, but uh, I hope he's okay in some way. But, uh, yeah, that was a 20. Yeah, that's, that's really, that's a bit eerie. Yeah, it is. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy 
Happy price, price line. All right, Julian, I'll tell you what. Why don't we uh, open up the mailbag here? Try to end the, the, the show with a little levity, a little fun here on, yeah. this, uh, on this Monday. And look, we got a lot of comments and we always tell people we love to hear your feedback. You can do it via email, theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com. You can also do it in the comment section. All you got to do is uh, follow the path, drop a comment. Trust me, we read them all, all the comments. So speaking of the comment section, Julie, we got a bunch from last week. Now, remember, there was the Brooks Kepka v. Aaron Ekblad thing where Kepka had a uh, uh, an orange traffic cone and was yelling at, at, at Kepka. And you and I were saying in Canada, we refer to those as pylons. Mm-hmm. In the United States, I guess they call them traffic cones. Uh, we got a listener who writes in and says, uh, first of all, guys, my college hockey team gave out traffic cones as a giveaway one day. Uh, the street the arena has been on has been under construction for what feels like a decade. So they had some fun with that promotion. Everybody had to name the traffic cone after their least favorite defenseman. And yes, FYI, they are traffic cones. Pylons are what are used to mark the end zone in the NFL. Pylons are square pillars. Cones are cone-shaped. I I can't really argue with that logic, I guess. I mean... Yeah, a cone is a cone. It is a cone. A cone is a shape. But and we do and we do use pylon uh the way that we use pylon for um those square pile of pylons, not to use the word again in the NFL. I I guess I could understand the, the logic here, but uh I don't know. I guess we do we have to Wikipedia pylon too? Do we have to look up the definition of that as well? If you okay. I'm just going to do a simple search right now of the word pylon. Okay. And I'm going to go to Google images. Welcome the to the first athletic thing that show, comes up where it's basically Ian and I Googling stuff like half, half the show. Okay. If you Google the word pylon, the first three things that come up are pictures of orange cones. So I think really? it's interchangeable. Yeah, it's absolutely interchangeable. I will agree on okay. that. There we go. Uh, another uh, text or another comment in the Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, Ian, I think you might be a minor genius with this idea of a Team USA versus Team Canada men's and women's rivalry series. I would mm-hmm. totally attend that series. I, I, hey, listen, someone's going to call me a minor genius. I'm all in. I'm all in. I don't know. What do you think it would take to become a major genius, though? If that's only minor genius. What, what's, what's a major if genius? If you can if you find a way to convince the NHL and the NHLPA that they should do it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's your, yeah, that's You have to like genius. crash one of the GM meetings or something like that or at the draft in Nashville, you know, just like talk to enough GMs, pull them, maybe get Pierre Lebrun's help with that and then just see what they say. I think that's what elevates you to major genius. Okay. Well, people were just throwing around that genius tag in the comment section. Got another one here, Julian, uh, from our show last week. Uh, guys, creating the lineup of cookies was actually a genius bit. I was laughing so hard. The Friday show with Haley and the Gentili, they've got their draft. You guys need to make lineups a thing on the Monday show. <laughs> Someone tweeted at us uh, a lineup, did they? I thought they well, did. Well, w- w- that same person sent us a, uh, a comment, I believe, because... Oh, cool. I'm going to read this out here. Guys, first of all, I feel really bad for both of you when you got to the cookie lineup portion of your podcast. Have y'all never heard of a fresh baked cookie in your lives? Hey. Stop sleeping. Stop sleeping on fresh baked cookies. And here, FYI, is the ultimate cookie lineup. Okay? So I'm just going to really sleep quickly- on fresh baked cookies. That could cover any type of cookie. What are you going on about? Just because we said chocolate chip cookies doesn't necessarily mean we're just going to say chips ahoy. Macadamia nut doesn't have to be the cookies from Subway. It's a good point. We, anyway. We, anyway, so this person says uh, snickerdoodle, chocolate chip, and peanut butter are your top line. That's that's a pretty that's. Uh, that's a pretty I don't know, but straight line. peanut butter is like top snickerdoodle? line. Snickerdoodle. 
I mean, I don't know. Pe- I would, yeah, peanut butter is not bad. It's okay. But just plain, this is plain. And do all peanut butter cookies have to have that little indentation with like a fork in the middle of them? <laughs> is that like a rule? Like, did everybody get together and say, okay, be it resolved, when we make peanut butter cookies moving forward, we have to just press a fork down in the middle of it. <laughs> press them down. What happened? I don't know What's why the explanation that for that? Are we like aerating them? Like giving them, I don't know, room to breathe? I don't know. But you but know what I mean. Chocolate chip right? has to be in the first line center. Chocolate yeah. chip has to be the first line center. That is like, like if you like chocolate chip cookies, I think of all cookies, the most universally adored cookie. So it's I think as goat. a, it's the goat. It's the number one center of cookies. But this person also has their fourth line center. Their cookie is a Russian tea cake. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I, I, I would say let's either. go to Google, but I think we've we've utilized. I think we've exhausted. Google. Think we've exhausted Google and enough today. Can you can you just Google Dave Babbage kimono for me while you're there? Just make sure Jeez. this happened. Uh, so Dave Babbage, yeah. uh, uh, Bobby Francis, uh, pylons. Geez, what else? Are we, pylons. Like it's just we've we've. I think we've exhausted the Google machine for for one episode. Let's save some. Let's save some of these for next week. Well, the, the 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 beauty is, um, our producer Chris Flannery has done some of the work for us here, and Thank you, Chris. he has sent us a picture of the Russian tea cakes, which look like they just look like they almost look like donut holes or tim timbits for people in Canada. They look like little, like powdered sugar. Wait, so powdered sugar donuts America- is almost what they look like. Isn't America the American equivalent of Timbits? I mean, I know there are some cities in America that have Tim Hortons, but isn't the American equivalent Munchkins? Like what Dunkin' Donuts has? Munchkins is the Dunkin' Donuts brand of Timbits, right? But, isn't it but, that, like, did Ottawa have a Dunkin' Donuts? Because I remember Montreal having a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, Ottawa used to have a Dunkin' Donuts. I don't, I, I think it's, Dunkin' Donuts just dominates, like, the Northeast, right? Like the Boston, Massachusetts, yeah, they love Dunkin'. Boston. Yeah, our good friend Sarah Sivian is probably enjoying Duncan today. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Anyway, we better we better wrap this show up for, for now. I'm like now I'm actually legit hungry. Uh, I feel yeah. I feel like that last couple of seconds, I just kind of broke your concentration. Like yeah, I'm gonna get you me did. some food after this is yeah, over. Exactly. Yeah, I'm gonna get a hand. Yeah. Oh right, the, the episode. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jack Adams of the week. Uh, Jack Adams winner of the week. Uh, Jay Woodcroft, the Oilers, uh, Julian, the only team to go a perfect 4-0 and in the past week. They have really, uh, I think they got a lot of people thinking that they might be the favorite or the team to beat in the West. They, they certainly feel like they're hitting on all cylinders. Woodcroft takes the Oilers. They go 4-0. and But it was a great week in Alberta because we talked about it earlier. Daryl Sutter, Flames go 3-0. and uh, San Jose and Tampa also went three and zero last week, but uh, who who gets your vote for Jack Adams winner of the week? Daryl Sutter because the team went three and zero and he battled a, a a a flu bug or some kind of bug all the way through it. Uh, I will give a hat tip to uh, my colleague Eric Francis uh, out at Sportsnet who was at the game in Vancouver where the uh, the Flames came back and won. And I don't know how he got it, but uh, Daryl Sutter uh, apparently was uh, not feeling well in between periods of that game. Uh, I remember going to Kirk Muller after the fact and being like, hey, like, is Daryl Sutter OK? And he's like, oh, he was he was he was not well during that game. And then yesterday, uh, after the Flames win um, over Anaheim, I tried to just ask Daryl myself, like, hey, are you OK? And Daryl kind of gave me uh he kind of put his hands out as like as like a stay away type of deal. Uh dude is not dude is going through it right now in terms of illness. So while Jay Woodcroft's 4-0 and 0, I will I'm willing to give Daryl Sutter something uh for going through this with whatever illness he seems yeah. to have right now because he clearly is like not feeling well. You know what? You talked me into it earlier in the in the pod. Uh, the fact that the Flames have clawed their way back into it. Uh, look, Edmonton's going to make the playoffs. So, you know, Jay Woodcroft going 4-0, it's great. But Daryl Sutter and the Flames had to go 3-0. and 
right? Like, it's not like they had a choice. They, they had to go 3-0. These are must-win games. And for them to answer the bell in the manner in which they've done, I don't see how anybody else has done a better job coaching their team in the last seven days than Daryl Sutter. So make it unanimous. Daryl Sutter. There we go. Daryl Sutter now, uh, is the Jack Adams. Uh, fitting, it goes to the reigning Jack Adams winner. Yeah, exactly. As we talked about earlier, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to do an encore performance when you win that, but Daryl Sutter is certainly doing a good job in the last little week or so with the Flames. And we always wrap up the Monday edition of the pod with a little multiple choice madness. Now, I got a scenario for you. You tell me what you mm-hmm. prefer. Okay. Um, do you think the division winner with the best record in each conference should be allowed to pick the wild card team they're going to face in the first round? And yes. your options are A, yes. You know what? This would be unique. It would actually add a, like a spicy element to the first round matchup between a division winner and an underdog or no. B, you know what? No. This is too gimmicky. Yes. This is dumb. Yes. Where, where, where are you going for? A or B? The NHL needs any bit of excitement they could generate. I get the playoffs that they have. Gary Bettman will tell you till he's blue in the face that they're the best in the world. And we could argue about the format as much as we want. A great compromise would be seeing a division winner say, hey, you know what? We are the best team. We've earned the right to pick the team we want to play in that first round. I'm also just envisioning, uh, like, like imagine, like, two days before the playoffs start, Sportsnet or TNT, they do a whole hour-long show yeah. where each divisional team announces the team they're going to face in the first round. Some people are going to call it a gimmick. I think it's it's got the potential to be the most exciting thing you could add to the NHL. Imagine you're Boston, and you go through the year you're going through, and you decide, all right, guys, uh, we are going to pick uh, the Florida Panthers as our team to play in the first round. And imagine if Florida somehow gets an upset over that, like like over that team, like like come on, the drama, the built-in stakes, like the built like like immediately there's disdain. It's like, oh, you think we're the lowly team that's just gonna roll over and die? Like you think we're the easy out? Like the potential for madness off of that format is un- would be unparalleled compared to other sports. The NBA is trying to do the in-season tournament. Why can't the NHL be different and do something like this? I would love, love to see uh, uh, teams uh, like pick who they would want to play in the first round. I would love that. That would be incredible. And then you reseed after that and you just have it just go traditional. But I would love that idea. Yes. I I think so too. But look, and, and I think maybe you only give that right to the team with the best record in each conference. You know, incentivize. That might be fair too. You know, that's fair. Yeah. And and you have to pick a wild card opponent. So, like, I'm in agreement with you. I like the idea. It would be unique and all that. So, let's play this out in the Western Conference for a second. And right now, um, and by the way, these Western Conference division races are unreal. Like, yes, Minnesota, Colorado, Dallas separated by one point. Vegas, LA, Edmonton separated by two points. Like, I don't know who's going to win these divisions. But let's play this out for a second. Let's say Vegas ends up with the best record in the Western Conference, okay? Now, you have your choice of playing either the Seattle Kraken, the Winnipeg Jets, or let's say the Calgary Flames. Now, I'm taking the Kraken all day long because like yeah. I would, like Winnipeg scares me with Hellebuck. Calgary would scare me because if they got in, that means they've been playing well, right? Like they're probably feeling hot. And they the play Kraken a style that is conducive to some sort of success in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, and the Kraken, their, their goaltending, it seems a little sus. Like, that, so, like, to me, I, I think there's some, right? So, but, but you only let that team pick the opponent. Then the other division winner, they get the other wildcard team, and away you go. And I feel like that's a way to, to make it fun, right? And I agree. And, yeah. I, I agree. Like, just, yeah, that's fine. I, if you don't want to make it each division winner, say like Boston and Vegas, they get to pick. That's still really exciting. Like that would still be really, really fun. And there's a way to, like, I don't know. You could make that a day where like you have you have that, and then maybe the draft lottery happens as well. Like that is an opportunity to drive eyeballs. Uh, I guess the only thing is that you just have to make sure that like. The with the the teams that are leading 
don't like leak their pick right in in advance i suppose and maybe if there's a year where like say like boston is uh, does so well like they they get like the penguins or something and we know that they have like a 4-0 record against the penguins maybe that takes the sting out of it but still like i don't know like that there's still that possibility of an upset and like i think that fact like that still makes it exciting that still totally. builds in the hate of like you know if you're the team that gets picked on it's like oh you think we're gonna you think we suck like I I think that's a cool idea and I think the NHL should do it. Okay, we're gonna leave it there. We're gonna leave it with us agreeing with each other. Look at this podcast started with some tension over the uh, the, the way I kick off the Monday show and look we're ending <laughs> we're ending with <laughs> we're ending on a good note. All right, hey, uh, you know when I when I when I do read the end of the show, okay when. Uh, our producer puts in a, like a couple of little lines. Make sure you read these things. I'm going to read this line for line. I want you to jump in where you tell me this is a weird line. This is never in there. Okay. You ready? Okay. Well, hey. thank you everybody for, thank you everybody for listening to this Monday edition of the athletic hockey show. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating or review. We certainly appreciate that. Special thanks to Chris Flannery for editing this show. What's wrong with that line? Well, when did this get added in? Does Chris Flannery not feel uh, like like does Chris Flannery not feel like he's getting his flowers? Like what happened here? I I I added the line. Uh, you did. You what are you so doing messing around with the promos reads here? So, so I took that read, and for the uh, for those who listened to the uh, podcast Dude. on fighting that I did over the weekend. Because of the fact that it was a special edition, I figured it was worth adding special thanks to Chris for editing that episode. Well, maybe and we I should leave that in. That. Yeah. For I, now I on, this is you, don't, you don't have to leave that in. No, it's, no we're leaving it in no, now. No, no. Producer Chris. Been, producer Chris. Producer Chris, who also serves as our uh, research assistant on Google uh, for most of the show <laughs> uh, as well. But yeah, thanks to Chris as always. Amazing producer. And, uh, and a diehard Rangers fan. We love, uh, we love working with him. So uh, thanks to Chris for putting this one together. As always, I want to remind our listeners, you get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for just a dollar a month when you visit athletic.com slash Corsi, 